the Cannabis Business Coach. Hi, Mike Z here, author of the Cannabis Business Book, and you're listening to the Cannabis Business Coach Podcast, where I chat with and coach the highest performing entrepreneurs in the cannabis industry. Hi, Mike Z is, hi, Mike Z is, hi, Mike Z is, the Cannabis Business Coach. Hi, Mike Z here, and on today's episode of the Cannabis Business Coach Podcast. I'm joined by the one and only Caroline Phillips, founder and executive director of the National Cannabis Festival, and also the principal of High Street PR. And if you don't know Caroline, or you haven't been to the National Cannabis Festival, well, you're in for a treat today. So uh, I'm so excited to have you here, Caroline. Would you do me a favor and please introduce yourself more in depth to the folks that may be watching or listening. Absolutely. Well, first, thank you so much for having me on today. Um, my name is Caroline, and I am the founder and producer of the National Cannabis Festival, which is an annual event that takes place in Washington, D.C. We're sort of like the rock the vote event for the cannabis community. We really try to highlight the advocacy groups that are doing the work to push forward on legalization and also the small businesses and larger businesses that make up our industry. Um, the festival has been going on for four years now. We almost had year five this year, but obviously with the COVID pandemic plans have been changed a little bit. Um, along with the festival, I also produce the National Cannabis Policy Summit, which is the sister event to the festival. It is a free and open to the public conference that brings folks from inside the Beltway to really talk about cannabis policy and their vision for moving forward on a lot of different issues that impact people as patients and also as business owners. Um, also part of the National Cannabis Festival suite of events is 420 Week, which is really our opportunity to take our programming out to lots of different businesses around the DC area, places where you might not always find the cannabis conversation. But we really tried to make the National Cannabis Festival and all of our associated events opportunities for all people to come out and learn about cannabis. Um, we try to make sure all of our events are very affordable and very accessible to all community members. So we're really hoping that in 2021, we can come back and bring exactly those programs to our community again. Awesome. Last time I attended, you know, generally my game plan for 420 is to go to DC and attend the National Cannabis Festival and the Policy Summit. I love the Policy Summit. I remember the first time I went, I was blown away. I was taking notes furiously, just learning stuff. And then the festival itself was a whole lot of fun. I remember the year I went, I think Cypress Hill was the headliner and they just rocked the house. Yeah. It was incredible. Um, and yeah, so I, I just commend you for the events that you put together. They've been a lot of fun. I really hope you can't hear that siren in the background. And now I'm stalling from the next questions. All right, Caroline, how and why, why and how did you decide to enter the cannabis industry? Um, I decided to enter the cannabis industry around the same time that I decided to start the National Cannabis Festival. I'd noticed that when legalization came to DC, we were seeing a lot of really high priced events 
um, a lot of exclusive opportunities to network and learn about the industry, but none of those opportunities were affordable to the people in my community or really accessible. So we decided that it was time to create an event where you could find all of the things that you find at these high priced conferences and conventions and also find other elements that you would find at a festival. So when you come to National Canvas Festival, you can learn from our 30 advocacy partners who are on site exhibiting. You can visit one of five different educational halls. You can mill about in the exhibitor area. Um, you can go and hear music. There's like a ton of stuff to do. And it's really sort of a all-in-one experience for folks that we think might just be a bit easier to achieve than uh, trying to buy that ticket to a big conference. And can you speak a little about what you were doing before getting into the cannabis world? Absolutely. Before entering the cannabis industry, I was working in the human rights space, really an international human rights. So I was used to taking dense policy issues and making them a bit more digestible for the general public. And I like to think that that's the same sort of thing that we do through the festival and through our policy summit. Obviously, it sounds like you brought some of those skills over with you to the cannabis world and in service of the cannabis movement. Um, so I'm curious, what is it like being Caroline Phillips? Well, that's a great question. Um, the work that we do in large scale event production is long term and it is a little bit stressful. Um, the festival planning is a full calendar year. So there's really not a month in the year that we're not working on, you know, planning for the next year, actually working on plans towards a festival or closing out accounting and the books for a year. So it goes on year round. It's very rewarding work. It's really wonderful to look out and see people that we know and care about enjoying themselves and people that we don't know yet learning and meeting each other. But it is really, really hard work. I think that all event production is difficult, but then you take it outside and put it in a field with a couple of thousands of your closest friends and strangers. And, you know, it's kind of a whole nother ball of wax. But I really try and balance the hard charging nature of the work I do with things outside work, like exercise, um, hanging out with my friends. So I try and keep it sort of balanced as much as I can. Is there a favorite cannabis festival war story or triumph? Because I imagine putting on an event of that scale and all the coordination that requires, all the effort that requires, I'm sure there were many times when things went wrong and many times when, you know, you had like just uh, what I what I imagine to be extraordinary cannabis miracles. <laughs> or, so I'm wondering if there's like a favorite story or something you could share, you know, from the trenches, if you will. Well, I mean, I think that every year has its own special stories. Um, and every year feels like its own lifetime. But I, the fact that the festival even happened in the first place is its own miracle. Um, when I started the festival, I was coming out of a lifetime of work supporting nonprofit organizations and working in the human rights space with really no savings to my name. I launched plans and put the only money I did have down, you know, to kind of reserve the festival grounds in the fall of 2015. And I didn't get to start 
really planning until that January. Um, so it really was a kind of moment where it took a whole village of people saying, this is a good idea and we want to see this happen with you to make it happen. So I think our birth story is probably uh, one of my favorite moments. But, you know, really every single year has brought such exponential growth for us um, that there are stories from every year. And, you know, I think right now, hopefully I'll be looking back on the times that we're living in right now and saying this is one of our great war stories because I do think that, um, you know, despite all of the hardship this year for everybody, one of the things that I'm most proud of is how my team really stepped up to manage all of the postponements, all of the different people that needed to have things explained to them, how this is going to work. Um, you know, when will the next event be? Will there be a next event? Can I get my money back? So really just handling all of those questions and making sure that we had systems in place to get that information out to people clearly, concisely, and on the first go. So I think we're currently living one of our great war stories. Sadly and responsibly and reasonably, the festival was postponed until next year. So I can't imagine just dealing with that uh, the crisis and having to shift all around that and being in charge of all that and being the leader who has to make those tough calls and as you said communicate that and and kind of take care of everyone along the way so they can feel like they know what's happening and what's going on and how they're being impacted and so on and so forth can you speak a little to you know what that what going through that was like for you? That was, um, it was really hard. So I think that, you know, in early to middle of February, I started paying attention to reports coming from other countries about this illness. It's nothing that any of us have ever dealt before in, with before in this country. Um, as someone who produces a large scale event outside, I spend the better part of the year studying Farmer's Almanac. Uh, but this was definitely something that I couldn't have seen coming. But in that same way, we were looking early and we were really studying the reports that were coming out early. Um, by the end of February, I think that we really knew that the writing was on the wall and we needed to start pushing to go in order of process, which was talking to the folks that hold our big contracts, like what can we do here? Um, at that point, the city hadn't made their call on what they were doing as far as public events and gatherings. Um, so there was a lot going on at once. It was a lot of moving pieces, uh, making sure one thing didn't get announced before the other. It was really hard, um, but we set up, we actually sat down and we wrote out a plan. We wrote out an outline for our postponement. Who do we need to contact? Who's doing that contacting? What do those people need to know? Um, so we had the whole team jump in to let the news out I think on March 17th that the festival would be postponed to the fall and then we got to do it again this summer which was a real treat so if anybody is looking for a postponement or a cancellation consultant I am your girl um you know it was it was incredibly hard like it's really hard to be on month 11 of an annual 12-month project and to have to pull everything back at the very what felt like to us the last minute um but you know, the fans and family around the festival have been really terrific. And I think everybody understands that this is 
not anything that anyone could have anticipated. So the best we can do right now is continue to be transparent with all of our stakeholders, the fans and the sponsors and the performers and various people we have contracts with, um, let them know exactly what's going on and just keep ourselves available for any questions. But, you know, right now I think people are really sticking together and they understand that we're all in this together. So I really hope that we'll all be celebrating together at some point in 2021. Amen. You've been in the industry for a couple of years now. I'm sure it's evolved a lot in those years. I mean, I've, I've seen it change a lot in those years. I'm wondering from your perspective, you know, being in DC, the epicenter of American politics, it, I'm curious what, what changes you've seen and how you've seen things evolve in the past four or five years. Yeah, no, that's a great question. I was talking to somebody about this yesterday, actually. Um, I think that I've been really struck in the past year about the kind of people that I'm starting to meet in the industry, whereas four or five years ago, um, you know, you would meet people and talk to them about the cannabis industry who were already in it and had kind of been working in it for decades or who were also kind of on the sidelines trying to figure out how to get in. And more and more, we're starting to meet people who come from really other interesting professional backgrounds who are bringing their skills to this space. So that's been really exciting. Um, I think the other thing that I've noticed about the industry, especially in the past year or two, is the outspokenness of the women in this industry. And, you know, we're not going to take any crap from anybody. And if this is going to be a new industry, it's going to be a better one. So I think, you know, from jump, we're sort of setting a whole new standard. So that's been really, really encouraging to see how women have really started to take the lead, find themselves at the boardroom table. Um, and then again, yeah, the diversity of experience that's starting to come into this space just is really inspiring for what this industry could look like in a few years with all of these brilliant creative minds coming together. And I think you're right. And I'm just going to go on record and say that women should be in charge. Agreed. <laughs> and not just in cannabis, but broadly, I think men, we've had our chance and we've messed up a lot of stuff. I won't get too far off track there, but I just wanted to put that out there. Let me ask you this. What are you most excited about right now in the cannabis world? I am excited about... I think the renewed focus right now on public health. I think that in the cannabis industry, it's been really interesting to see how different companies have responded to the COVID pandemic, how the advocacy organizations have really been able to push their issues through the lens of the COVID pandemic. Um, I think that's been really interesting to see. I've been excited to see how dispensaries have been treated as essential businesses. And then for me personally in the work I do, I'm hoping that this new focus on public health and the wellness of others will also spill out to all cannabis events. And I'm talking about accessibility in general. Um, you know, I, it's something we think about a lot for National Cannabis Festival. How can we safely get people on and off the grounds? I think there's just been in the past a certain impatience, unfortunately. Um, with accessibility, either people being like, oh, you know, all of those parking spaces are being reserved for, you know, ADA guests, or oh, like that whole entrance is empty, it's just for ADA guests. It's like, yeah, 
but we live in that kind of world now where people are going to need to slow down and whether it's being able to get up a flight of steps or pausing to get a temperature taken or you know allowing someone to get ahead of you in line because they maybe can't stand up for quite as long whatever it is I'm hoping that this moment that we've all had to think about health and wellness spills off into all aspects of life so dispensaries continue to be honored as places where people are picking up medicine that we all think a bit harder about how we treat each other when we attend events and are in public. So hopefully this will bring some good things. Absolutely. I yeah. love that. And especially the, the piece about accessibility, I feel like, you know, hopefully this whole health crisis and pandemic create a little more awareness and compassion for less abled people and those who don't have the privilege of being able-bodied and and a little more uh i guess thought and compassion for the struggle that you know people with disabilities have to face just to live uh daily life and also the awareness of the immunocompromised a lot of which you know are in our community in this cannabis community so something that i think so we've spent so little time thinking about but it's like oh wait a second thank you for that Caroline, what's your superpower? And I, and I ask that because not there's not too many people in the world, I think, that have been able to, from the ground up, build a national festival the way that you have and to keep it building on itself year over year. So, you know, in my judgment, you've accomplished a tremendous feat and so surely there must be a superpower that allows you to succeed the way that you have i think that i've always leaned on um, my persuasive writing skills that i think is my superpower um, because when i didn't have any money when i was starting the festival and in the first few years i really had to lean on written documents and emails to people and letters to you know local city officials, um, to advocacy groups, asking them to sign on, to sponsors, trying to convince them that this really was possible. Um, so I think that that's probably the skill that I've leaned on most over the years. Um, and the one to like the young people in my life that I emphasize, like if you can communicate something on paper, you can literally communicate and convince anyone of almost anything. As, as someone who, fancies himself a writer of sorts. I think that it's an incredible skill to have. And now I'm wondering if you're ever gonna write a book. (laughs) Maybe when this whole show is over. (laughs) (laughs) Let me ask you, what advice do you have specifically for women and people of color that wanna start cannabis businesses, invest in cannabis businesses, or even work at cannabis businesses, or just participate in the cannabis economy? So for people starting, who want to start businesses, um, for women, for people of color, um, I mean, really for anybody, I would tell you to trust yourself going in. And what I mean by that is I hear a lot of people, they'll kind of come up with a business pitch deck. And the first thing they say is I need to find an investor. 
And I don't think that's always true. Having money is great. But again, if you have your own superpowers to lean on and you can leverage those to pull a network of people together to help you, then do that first. Um, it makes me sad when I hear about really incredible ideas where you know the brains behind it had to give up a large chunk of ownership early on to get some cash to get things off the ground. Um, sometimes it's better for things to take a little longer for you to really have, you know, full domain over your own idea. So um, for everybody, I would say, you know, slow down a little bit and trust yourself and don't necessarily dive for easy dollars. Um, for people who are, let's see, it was people who are trying to get in and people who are trying to invest. Okay, for people trying to invest, that's a great question. I actually have only, ever invested in my own business. So I don't have any great tips on investment, but I would say, you know, pay attention to the companies that are supporting our nonprofit advocacy groups in this space. Go on the websites of, you know, Normal, the Drug Policy Alliance, Marijuana Policy Project. Um, go on the websites for all of these organizations and look to see which businesses are giving back, which businesses are investing in the actual advocates who go on Capitol Hill every day and make our case to members of Congress. Those are the companies that not only have what would seem to be solid business plans, but they also have had the time to think about how they want to handle philanthropic giving. And they realize that you know investing in these advocacy groups is ultimately an investment in the future for their own company as well. So that would be where I would look for great companies to invest in. Um, then the last one was just for people who are interested in getting into this cannabis space. Do it. There are so many cool networking groups. Um, I'm sure some of them have moved online by now, but you know, it's a lot of fun. I don't think, um, you know, if you're looking just to get engaged in the cannabis community, then yeah, just start attending some of these networking events. If you're looking to do business in the cannabis industry, I would again say start by researching through these nonprofit groups, learn the issues, see what kind of events they're involved in, and then check out some of those events yourself. Great. And you mentioned a bit about corporate social responsibility and, and encouraging potential investors to invest in businesses that are investing in the movement and in the community. And I'm gonna go ahead and tell anyone who will listen that if you are operating a business in this industry, you have a moral obligation and an imperative that you must invest in the community and in the movement. Otherwise, you're no good in my book right. anyway. Agreed. I love when we, we when we agree. Last time I had the pleasure of interviewing you for my book, which is available on Amazon.com. Go check it out, everyone. You mentioned to me that you had recently started working with a career coach for the first time. And I'm just curious, you know, are, are you still working with a coach? Have you continued that relationship? What did you get out of coaching? Yeah, um, so I worked with a career coach as I was expanding to bring more folks on board to help me with the festival. I just wanted to make sure that I was 
organizing and developing processes around how we would do work, how we would plan for work. Um, and also just, yeah, learn a little bit more about my own management style. But that was very useful. I really enjoyed it. Um, I think it's something that everybody should do, you know, at some point in their career. It's a nice refresher. So it sounds like you had a very specific intention of growing your business and maybe it was uncharted territory. So you brought in a coach that, that could help you go through that transition and level up your yourself and your business. Yeah. And it sounds like both of those were accomplished in a good way. I think so. Yes. Nice. I, I love hearing people have great coaching experiences. Warms my heart. <laughs> so before we shift into the coaching portion here, I wanted to ask you if there's anything that we didn't touch on or speak on that you want to put out there? No, I think this has been very thorough. Wonderful. All right. Well, then I'm going to ask you to take a deep breath. And I'm going to put on my coaching hat. It's invisible. I'm going to ask you, Caroline, what is your biggest business roadblock or challenge right now? And I can guess, but I'm going to leave it to you. Yeah, I think that um, the nature of my work is that we plan and strategize far in advance for all of our big projects. And right now we're in a position where it's really difficult to plan anything too far in advance. Tell, tell me a little more about the impact of that on, on either you or your business. You know, I think for me, it's frustrating. I'd love to be able to predict exactly what things are going to look like next year and the year after um, so that I can make sure that my work plans are ready and that my team is ready. But, you know, that's not possible right now. So we're just having to pivot and try and work on things that are a bit more short term. Um, while keeping our eye on longer term projects. And how's that going for you? Um, we're, let's see, we're month four of lockdown. The first two months were really difficult. There is, you know, just a lot of trying to reposition. Um, we were also dealing with the initial postponement and like what that meant and trying to figure out how to move things forward. But I feel like in the past month and a half, we have really started to fall into a rhythm and sort of relax more into our new roles and how things are in our current normal. Given where you are today and more of the new short-term initiatives post-pivot, what's your biggest challenge or roadblock? I mean, it really remains the same. We have potential to do so much great programming online, which we're going to continue to do. But because so much of the work we do involves physical presence, it's trying to figure out, you know, what does that look like for 2021? So, you know, it can become challenging because the work that we do is very, you know, very literal. There is a hard delivery date. It's not a report that might be done at some time in June. It's like we have a day to deliver a festival on. Um, so, you know, we're trying to figure out best ways to move forward about that, around that, and to really keep our audience engaged in the lead up. But it is a challenge, I think, though, that 
folks on the team have really stepped up to the plate and have done a really good job just trying to improvise over the past few months. I'm, I'm hearing and I totally understand as an event producer myself that this is completely beyond our control, right? We can strategize, we can put together some plans or potential scenarios, but the fact of it is no one really knows what next year is going to look like. You know, we, we can focus on what we can control mm-hmm. and, and what we can't control is really wasted energy and to, to think about uh, in some ways. And so I'm wondering where is the greatest leverage point for you in the short term of what you and your team can control yeah, I mean, I think that our fans like NCF because we offer lots of great educational content um, and we package things in ways that folks can really like understand and internalize the information. So we've really committed ourselves to providing free educational content from now until our next festival can take place. Um, you know, I think that my original vision for National Cannabis Festival was a big cannabis festival on the National Mall, like the National Book Festival or the Folklife Festival. And um, while that's not gonna happen in the near future, I think that kind of the vision around that and putting us in the same category as those large cultural events is ultimately the direction that this will go in. And at that point, when it's on the National Mall, the festival will be a free event because you can't have ticketed events on the National Mall. So I hope that we are setting the stage right now online for what hopefully when federal legalization happens will be able to happen on the National Mall. Sometimes our greatest challenges are our greatest opportunities. And so if you were to apply that lens to this, you know, we'll call it a gap year, you know, where you have an opportunity to, to do other work outside of what you would normally be doing for the event. Yeah. What's the greatest opportunity in front of you to, to get towards what you just stated of, you know, having the event on the national, uh, was it national lawn? Is that right? National mall. National mall. Yeah. Sorry. I'm, I'm an immigrant. <laughs> Sorry. No. Me too. It's okay though. Um, <laughs> So the question was, what is the greatest opportunity opportunity from this whole COVID postponement? Well, I think it's a couple of things. First of all, uh, my team is used to kind of fighting out of a corner. We started this with no money. Um, so like we've always been on an uphill kind of stomp and we're good at it. So we're good at digging and we're good at marching uphill. So I'm not scared at all of any of that. Um, you know, I think the opportunity that we've had recently has been to really, really get to know our fans and our sponsors and exhibitors. We've been doing all of these really fun profiles about people um, and telling the stories behind the people who participate at the festival. So that's something we would never have had time to do before. We've also had the opportunity to work with a lot of great outside organizations and help them articulate their messages through the online format. Um, Another silver lining or probably my favorite silver lining of COVID right now is um, the National Drug Policy Reform Seminar that is happening right before the conventions in August. And that is a coalition of nonprofit groups coming together to sort of 
make the case and tell the GOP and DNC platforms like, hey, we're the drug policy experts and here's what we think should be part of your platform on drug policy reform. Um, so we're going to get to throw the gauntlet down a couple of days before the conventions start. That's something I definitely would not have had time to work on in the pre-COVID world. So being able to really connect deeply with our advocacy partners and help them get their vision out there is something that feels valuable. Um, I think another thing that's been a lot of fun for us is dabbling a little bit outside of the cannabis world. We have been working with a couple of climate action groups to help them with online programming. And that's been really, really cool. Um, so we're doing our darndest to kind of take advantage of the opportunities that are coming to us and also to create opportunities and to learn how to communicate with our audience in a new way. I think that a lot of people are experiencing, you know, burnout from a lot of online content. So it's really also trying to like measure what we're creating. Um, is it what people want and how long do they want to be watching this thing for? So we're learning a lot this year. It's definitely been trial by fire, I think, for everyone, and us included, for sure. So I, I heard a lot of good stuff in that answer. A few things were that the opportunity to expand your network and your horizons a bit as far as what, where you're contributing your superpowers and your team's superpowers, and also deepening relationships with within your community and with your within your existing ecosystem which in my judgment is the gift that keeps on giving yeah and and so i also heard i want to i, I got to check this out i heard you say you know i'm not afraid of and then you 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 mentioned some you know like basically being scrappy and resilient so i'm curious what are you what what are you afraid of in this whole covid challenge what is the fear i guess with respect to my business specifically i'm afraid of disappointing our fans or our sponsors and supporters um we are nothing without our fans so that's why we've been so detailed with how we've communicated information about postponements and ticketing. It's so important to us that they know that we are in this with them and we're not trying to you know, take anything from them that's not ours. Um, I think the other thing I'd be afraid of is disappointing my team. Um, we have an incredible group of people that have put like blood, sweat and tears into this festival, you know, during a time when we were all kind of working at night and on weekends to try and get it done to now when a couple of us are working on this year round. So it's really important to me that I keep my head together and keep my plan together so that I can make sure that we all stay together. Because I know that on the other side of this, I'd like to land with the same group of people around me. What's the biggest insight that's come up for you so far in our conversation? I think it is very apparent how important the people are to my business and how important the relationships are. Um, so I definitely know that I need to make sure to prioritize nurturing relationships with everybody that makes the festival what it is. Um, so I think that's something that I will take away from this for sure. Um, and really getting to know people, not just through contracts and proposals, but actually 
getting to know them as human beings. It kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier um, in public health and well-being. Like, we can't just be worried about, did you sign the contract yet? Or I still haven't received your logo. Uh, we actually have to worry about the human bit. So maybe it's okay to get on a business call now and say, I had a really, really rough day yesterday, you guys. So apologies if I'm a little less sharp today. Like maybe that's okay now. Like maybe we can all make a little room for people to have life outside of work. I want to drill down just a little bit. How can you imagine doing what you just described as far as nurturing some of those relationships, getting to know some of those, I guess, key stakeholders? Um, so something that we've been always pretty good at um, on our team is making sure people know that they feel appreciated for their contributions to our work. So, you know, we've been doing just like Zoom chats with people catching up the occasional Zoom happy hour um, because we couldn't sell our 2020 concert t-shirts, save the date that didn't happen on them. We ended up making those into masks, which we're selling and giving the proceeds for charity um, to an organization. But we're also sending out a bunch of those masks to a lot of our supporters and like sponsors and friends who've helped because like it's a really timely memento of what we're all going through. But just those little connections. I've actually had a couple of really great people do that for me this week. Um, Kibra Smith-Bolden in Connecticut. I got a text message from her last week. How are you? You want to like get on the phone next week? And I was like, okay, she must have something to tell me. But when we hopped on the phone, she's like, I've been thinking about you. And I was like, that's amazing. So I think it's little stuff like that, letting folks know that we're thinking about them. I mean, we're definitely thinking about the whole festival family. So I think being more deliberate about making sure that we're setting aside time, not to set up a meeting necessarily, but even just to shoot someone a text to say like, are you guys hanging in there okay? Right, right. Because... How do you imagine some of those folks might respond if they just got a call from you and, and or, or even just knew how much time and energy you spend worrying about not letting them down and making them proud? And what might, hearing that from you, how might that impact them? I mean, I think that's, you know, they know, or they hope they know, and I hope that through these gestures, they know that they're a lot more than a booth number to us. We're not a huge, giant, colossal event. You know, we're not like Bonnaroo. Um, every single exhibitor and every single sponsor contributes so greatly to the culture and the whole vibe at our event. I wouldn't trade the group of people that have exhibited with us in years past for the world. Um, so I hope that they know that they're incredibly valuable to what we've created at the festival. and. You know, and we say this all the time and we say this to them, but we can set up the fence and the stage and I can, you know, hire security and hire some acts for the main stage. But people aren't really coming for the fence line and for the porta potties. They're coming for this incredible culture and community that's taking place within all of that and that's created by those people. So I think that when we are able to do that more personal outreach and as we make more time to do it, Hopefully folks will know that National Cannabis Festival belongs to everybody who's contributed to the whole vibe and what happens there. And that includes the fans. Everybody has their own unique experience that they bring away from the festival, including me. So 
it sounds like as a next step, you're, you, I heard you say you might carve out more time to, yeah. to connect with certain folks and just check in, just touch base and let them know that, hey, we're still in this together. Yes. Awesome. And I'm, I'm going to ask you just one last thing, which is from where you sit as a leader, as, as I'm going to call you like a, a glue of the ecosystem, I, you're extremely humble. And I, I, I love how you constantly give the credit to your team and to the community and to, to everyone, everyone else. However, I believe, and you cannot convince me otherwise, that you're a big part of the magic. And so I'm wondering how you might be able to, when you're reaching out to these folks, say, hey, by the way, I've also got some superpowers. So what do you need help with? What, how can I be there for you? Right. you know? And I believe... And, and I'll tell you, I did a little bit of this myself when, when New York got shut down and I was like, oh, bye-bye events. I, I said to myself, there's a whole community here. And my whole thing was never events. It was always about helping the community. And the events was just a mechanism through which I could do that. But it's not limited to just that. Right. And, and I, I think the hard part is actually, maybe it's not hard, I don't know. I, I think the, the more challenging piece is actually being able to add value to the community. And yeah. I have no doubt that that's something that you're more than capable of and you and your team are more than capable of because you've been doing it for years. And so I, I just wanna encourage you and, and maybe reflect to you that when you're talking to these people and connecting with them and just saying hi, and just checking in, don't forget that they have their own challenges right now. Everyone has their challenges right now. And, you know, maybe there's someone that you know that you could intro or something that you can help with. Right. I'm sure there's so much there for you that maybe you're already aware, maybe you're already doing it and this is redundant. But I just wanted to put that out there just in case that you have a lot to offer any of these folks just by nature of being you. So those are my two cents. Well, thank you. That is very kind of you. Wonderful. This has been a lot of fun. Thank you so much. My pleasure. I hope that it's productive and I, I hope that this is this can be my teeny tiny contribution to the festival this year. I appreciate that. And remind me that I'm going to have to bug you for the Canatank contest. We're going to have to make part of the prize package a coaching session with you. Oh, man. And maybe a that. copy of your book, because I think that would be <laughs> awesome to be part of the prize package. So Done. I'll have to bug you about that later. We'll, we'll get I'll, I'll, I can be Oprah. Books for everyone. You get a book. Exactly. You, you get, get a book. book. You get a book. <laughs> everyone just throwing them off the stage. Exactly. Oh, man. That would be funny. <laughs> and a little By dangerous. Then, everyone put on your protective goggles. The yeah. books are coming. Watch the edges. Caroline, thank you so very much for thank taking you. the time to chat today and, and for all the work you do for the community. I'm looking forward to the virtual policy summit. Keep being you keep kicking ass and thank, thank you. you well thank you this has been great
And awesome. uh, folks want to learn more about the festival, they can visit, visit nationalcannabisfestival.com. Hi, Mike Z is. Hi, Mike Z is. Hi, Mike Z is. The Cannabis Business Coach. Hi, Mike Z is. Hi, Mike Z is. Hi, Mike Z is. The Cannabis Business Coach.